You're listening to the Church 2911 Sermons Podcast. You can find notes for this message along with more information about our church by visiting church2911.com. Here's our lead pastor, Rick Hand, with this week's message. Where we're going to start? We're going to start with the man in the mirror. I know we think we're supposed to fix everybody else. Right? Come on. And I'm not just talking to the men either, okay? I'm not just talking to the dads. We think we're supposed to fix everybody else, but it begins right here. You know, Jesus kind of said that in a way. Remember when he told people, he, he, said, he said, you're out there trying to cast out little bitty things out of people's eyes, and you've got a big old stick in your eye. He said, start with the man in the mirror, okay? So start with the man in the mirror. Let's start with ourselves. I mean, that's what we should be doing every Sunday. You know, we, 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 when, uh, when the pastor preaches or whatever, you know, or whoever, you know, and, uh, and he lays something out there, you're not supposed to pick it up and just shove it over to the pew behind you, right? Let's start with the man in the mirror. So here, let's start with a myth. First, first of all, let's start with a myth, okay? Let's dispel this myth. Raising perfect kids, raising the perfect child is a myth. There are no perfect children. There was one perfect child that lived 2,000 years ago. Got that? There is one perfect child, and he's not waiting on you back in kids' shirts after this is over, okay? That's not him. There are no perfect children. The goal of Christian parenting is to raise Christ followers. That's the goal of Christian parenting. I I love one of my friends on Facebook uh, this past week posted something. I don't know if he stole it from somebody else, but it was a good steal if he did. And, uh, and, and I don't remember exactly how it said, but I remember the, the two words that started with H, and they're these, is, is the goal for us Christians is not Harvard, but heaven. Because Harvard, if you get lucky, it might impact their life for about 60 years, maybe. But heaven is going to impact them a whole lot longer than anything like that. So there, there's, our, there's our goal as, as Christian parents is to raise Christ followers. A lot of that other stuff, yes, it matters, but it doesn't matter to this level, okay? Bruce Wilkinson, um, he, sa- he said this about how, how uh, Christianity kind of passes down generationally, okay? Let's look at this together if we can. He says, first generation Christian experiences faith. That's the best. To actually experience faith yourself is best, okay? And that's what first-generation Christians do. Secondly, uh, to the second generation, faith is an inheritance. Now, that's still a good thing, you know, and I I know a lot of you, I think some of you, this is is where you kind of grew up. You inherited faith, you know, but one of the things you've got to do is you got to step beyond just the inheritance of faith, you know, because nobody's going to heaven on granny's coattails, we're not getting there that way. You, you've got to you've got to go beyond that yourself. It's still a good thing, because you're having it handed down. But you've got to do something with it. To the third generation, faith is a convenience, and now you see how it becomes a dangerous place, right? Because now faith is something we do when it's convenient, when we have time. You know, it's like we then start giving God our leftovers and start figuring out how to give God our best. In this generation, so maybe, maybe, you know, great-grandma, you know, and then grandma, and now mama, you know, she just does it when it's just convenient. But there's a fourth generation, and that's where a lot of, a lot of people are today. To the fourth generation, faith becomes a nuisance, which, yes, yeah, disastrous. Now, 
these aren't my words, uh, they're Bruce Wilkinson, but I would say, in my experience, and my family will tell you I'm a, I'm a people watcher. I like to watch people, okay? I like to, I like to figure out what's going on in their lives. So even, even outside of being a pastor, I like to do that. But as a pastor, I do that as well. And I'm not telling you this because of the years that I've had. I'm telling you this because of the experience that I've had. And some of you, you can look and you see the exact same thing. You, you can see, you know families just like this. Great-grandma, she is on fire for God. And grandma, she's there because great-grandma is going to be calling her on the phone if she doesn't show up that afternoon, right? And mama, yeah, well, we do it when we're convenient, but, you know, when I get old enough to do it, do you see the danger in that? And, and, and what we have to do is we got to figure out where we are on this. And, and let, me, let me give you another danger here. It's because I, I think the most dangerous place is that second generation. Because the second generation does not know that is happening to them until it's too late, until they've already handed off a third-generation attitude to their own kids. That they don't realize that, wait a minute, but I'm at church every Sunday, but why are you here? I, I read my Bible, and, and, and I pray, and I, I do all those, but, wh but why do you do it? Do you do it because somebody's going to call you this afternoon if you weren't here, or so, someone's going to ask you if you read your Bible, or, or you, you've got someone in your family that's going to hold you accountable for that, or have you gotten to the place, have you, have you moved yourself up? If you inherited this faith, have you ever moved yourself up from the inheritance up to actually experiencing it for yourself so that you are doing the right things, right times, fulfilling what God is calling you to do, being who you're supposed to be, living right, uh, treating other people right, because you have a personal relationship with God. And it doesn't matter if anybody else does it or not, but you do. Because if you don't move up, you're, you're going to hand off a third-generation attitude. Most likely, is you are going to hand off a third-generation attitude. But you know what you get to do? As parents, you can move up. And by moving up, you can hand off a second generation. And, now listen, and that's the best you can do. You can't make your kids have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. But the best you can do is make sure you're in that first generation so that what you hand off is, is a, an inheritance that will grip them and help them understand and see that. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. I want to talk about being able to hand off that kind of a second generation uh, attitude in Christianity to your kids. Because if you're not handing that off, then they're, they're getting further, every generation is getting further and further away. We, we have to make sure that, and so today, <laughs> decide, step on up to that first You've got to have that personal experience because parents have awesome power. Did you know that? I mean, you talk, you talk to psychologists, you talk to counselors, you read the books, you find out parents have more power over their kids than anybody else. I mean, you know that, right? But if you don't know it, then just listen to the experts out there. They'll tell you. But your kids listen to you more than they listen to everybody. Now, you may say, well, they, they also don't listen to me more than they don't listen to everybody else. That's because you say so much to them, right? You have great power. Okay, but let, let, me, let me ask you this also. Here, here's a quote. Here's part of a quote. Can you finish it for me? With great power comes great... How in the world did y'all know that? <laughs> who said that? Anybody know who said that? Uncle Ben, <laughs> who said that over there? Uncle Ben, exactly. It's from Spider-Man. 
Uncle Ben said it, Spider-Man said it, the narrator says it. I mean, all through the, the Spider-Man comics and movies and, and all the stories, you'll see this quote right here. Thank God we got such an awesome quote from Spider-Man, right? He's not the only one that said it. As a matter of fact, Superman's dad also said it. Here, you know, his dad here on there, uh, that next to us said Jonathan Kent, but also President Theodore Roosevelt said it, Prime Minister Winston Churchill said it, President William McKinley, the 1793 French National Convention even says that. Now, it's not in those words because it's in French, right? But it's, it's basically the exact same thing. So it's been said throughout history. Why? Because it's true. And you know, somebody said it a long time before all these people said it in Luke chapter 12, verse 48. Can you guess who said it? Luke chapter 12, verse 48. Jesus said, when someone has been given much, much will be required in return. And when someone has been entrusted with much, even more will be required. You and I have been entrusted with the most precious gifts God could ever give. Our children. And if we've been entrusted with that, then we have great responsibility. To do what? To be great parents. And what is parenting? Well, let me take you some more scripture right here, okay? This is Proverbs 22 and 6. Stop me if you've heard this, <laughs> right? Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Have y'all heard that one before? But you know what that says? Listen to me. <laughs> parenting is not just making up rules and yelling them at the top of your lungs, even though sometimes it feels like it just devolves into that, right? <laughs> you get into those situations. That's not what parenting is. Parenting is not just making rules. Parenting is training. You know, and training is oftentimes modeling. It is being an example. It is not just talking the talk in that high volume that you do sometimes, but it's also walking the walk in as straight a possible line as you can. This is what parenting is. We'll talk about this right now, okay? So jump. Uh, parents have the great, thank you, for responsibility to lead. You know, I've, I've pastored uh, quite a few years now, and uh, I've never, listen, I hate jinxes around here, okay? I've never pastored a church as easy as 2911, but let me qualify that right now, okay? I've pastored some really, really bad places. I've pastored some, pla some people who thought they were the church. I mean, I, I, my, my cousin used to say about his, his mom's church that she doesn't think that they're the only ones going to heaven. She just thinks they're going to get their first turn the lights on for everybody else, right? <laughs> I've pastored there. I got, I got a black eye, I actually got two black eyes one time, and, and uh, I had just gone to a new church, I got two black eyes, and I showed up at, a, at a, a state minister's meeting, lots of preachers and everything, and got these two black eyes, right? And I walk in the door, and the lady who's, whose husband pastored right before me at the church where I was at was the first person I saw when I walked in the door. We came up, and she said, I know where you pastor. <laughs> yeah. I've pastored tough churches, okay? So I'm not talking about tough places. But I have never pastored a tougher time than I'm pastoring right now because of what's going on, and not, not, not in that world way out, in our world, what is going on right now. So let me tell you parents, 
You may have had some tough times. Let me tell you grandparents, when you're looking down at your, at your kids and how they parent, let me remind you also, you've pastored some tough places, but you ain't never, or I mean, parented some tough places, but you ain't never parented in times like these. You are going to have to stay on target to, to fulfill the responsibility to lead. lead. You know what lead means? You know what lead means? Lead doesn't mean make suggestions. Let, let me read to you what Dick Hardy said. Here's a quote from Dick Hardy. Parents do not lead children by consensus. Can I get an amen? Well, that was weak. Parents are the leaders. Walk in front of your children. Show them the way. Remember that from just last week? Remember the way? We talked about the way. Remember that? The church, the way? Show them the way. And a big part of the way is to be present in the community of other believers, your local church. This is part of showing them the way. There's not, there's not a better organization, there's not a better group of people to help them find the right path in life than the people you're sitting around right now. And so this is a big part of it. Parents have, have to, uh, they have the great responsibility, and we have to fulfill this responsibility to lead. Parents have to guide. We're, we're not, not just guiding us next slide, I hope. <laughs> uh, okay, Pastor. Parents have the constant responsibility to guide their children. We're not guidance counselors. There's a difference. It's not, it's not, it's not guidance counseling. It's giving guidance. Have you ever been in a car, maybe you're driving, somebody's giving you directions somewhere, and they're doing a great job, you're doing a great job. All of a sudden, they start telling a story, and they get lost in their story, and they forget to, to tell you about a turn way back there, right? Right? Y'all ever done that? It happens. Oh, wait a minute. You know what? I forgot. I got so caught up in my story. Yeah. Y'all got people like that in your family. It's not just my family, is it? You know? And you know what? You are probably a lot closer now to where you wanted to get to than you were when you started, but you're still lost. You're not there yet. And that's the way your kids are whenever it is that you check out of your parenting responsibility. You can guide them all this way and say, well, and Honestly, I'm, I used to hear people say, well, they're, they're 18. What can I do now? They're living in your house. You're paying some of the bills. You need to come talk to me. I got some advice for you. But that was back then. Today, you know, I'd say before today, I was hearing, well, they're 16. You know, they got a driver's license. Not much I can do about that. You see, here's the dangers because it didn't stop there. Because now we're hearing, well, they're 13, and I can't really do anything about that. Wherever you stop guiding them, I guarantee you they are going to be lost. And they may be closer to where you hope they get to in their spiritual life than they used to be, but they are still lost because you didn't help guide them as far as you could guide them. God didn't give you them as parents for 12, 13, 16 years. I thank God I've got a mom who still prays for me. I thank God I've got a dad who, if I tell him I'm thinking this, he'll tell me if he thinks different. God gave me parents for life, and God gave me parents for life. And my two kids that are in this, you know, in this building, you know, y'all just understand that. <laughs> if you hadn't figured it out yet, God gave me to you for life. <laughs> All right, parents have. Uh, give me the next slide. I got to hurry. I, I'm I'm getting behind. I'm enjoying this too much. All right. For example, parents have a hand in choosing their kids' friends, either on purpose or by accident. Here's just one example. Did you know that? Parents, you have a hand in choosing your kids' friends. 
I can go back and I can show you every friend that I had growing up, and I can tell you how my parents had a hand in that. Some of them were good and some of them were bad. My parents don't know about some of the bad ones. <laughs> but there was something about our family dynamic, something we were doing and things that had a hand in who our parents, who our kids, our friends were as kids. And you had that same, I mean, you want, you, you want your kids to have church friends. They don't get church friends if the only place you take them is ballpark. Whew. Needed a cricket sound right there, didn't I? <laughs> I mean, you know, you need to connect. You know, and I realized as I was looking over my sermon notes again yesterday, I was thinking, man, this thing is heavy on, on connecting with the church. Yeah, parents, that is a big deal. As a parent, you need to connect. And if you want your kids to grow up as Christians, you're going to have to do that. And let me go on to the next, the next slide, okay? Uh, parents set spiritual priorities. You set a basis for what is priority in your kid's life. You don't decide what they'll do the rest of their life. But if sports is a big deal in your family, in your home, or if education is a big deal in your home, or if music is a big deal in your home, or if money is a big deal in your home, or if stuff, you know, having all the best things and all that, if that's the big deal in your home, your kids are going to grow up and they're going to have that base as their foundation of the priorities in their life. You need to make sure that you set the right spiritual priorities. And bring, bring me the, the next little point here. Choose and display right spiritual priorities, including being physically committed to Christian community with other believers. And you have to do that. Go ahead, bring me the next slide. You have to do that because parents have to model. They mo everything they do is a model. Charles Barkley said, he's, I don't know if you remember him saying, he says, I'm not a role model. Yes, you are. If you're, if you're in front of anybody, you're a role model. You might be a bad one, but you're a role model. People are watching you no matter where you are, no matter what you do, no matter where you go. And as parents, the people watching you the most are your children. You model and so choose, and I wish I had time to preach right here. I mean, that's a sermon right there. Take advantage of teaching moments. My kids got so tired of hearing teaching moments. You know, every time something would happen, it'd be a teaching moment. You know, let me tell you this, and this is how they ended up in that place, and I don't want you to go there. Take advantage of family events. Don't just show up with a Father's Day card. Show, you know, show your kids what different things mean, you know, or, or Christmas or Thanksgiving. Don't just, don't just show up those things. Show them what different things mean or, or the materials and online content from your church. You know, and, and our kids, kids' ministry, their department puts out stuff. I mean, take advantage of those things because every time you can put one of those things in your kids' hands instead of something else, that this world is designed to, to try and change your kid's attitude from believing the way you want them to believe, that you should, do you think they should believe, then you're helping them build those same priorities and serve opportunities. You know, I heard something a long time ago when I was young in ministry, is never do ministry alone. I mean, meaning, don't go to the hospital, take someone with you to the hospital because they need the experience of ministering also. Don't do a serve opportunity alone. If it's, if it's safe for your kids to inv be involved in a serve opportunity, don't do it by yourself. Grandparents, come on. If you, if you, grandma, if you make a meal for somebody that, that needs it in the church or outside the church, and, and it's, it, if you can find out any way that you can bring your, you know, one of your grandkids along with you, maybe help pre prepare the meal or deliver the meal, take them with you. Take advantage of serve opportunities. You have so many opportunities in their daily life to lead them, to guide them, to nurture them, 
to model for them, to be the example for them, to show them, to, to enable them, to empower them, to give them the confidence to be exactly who God intended them to be. You have great power. But I don't, I don't hope this isn't a little comic relief right here. Give me that next slide, Kevin. If you want to raise foul-mouthed kids, let me tell you how. Curse, swear, and tell off-color stories in front of them. They'll pick them up. And they'll embarrass you next time they're hanging out with the pastor. I can promise you that, okay? Or they'll request prayer for you back in kids' church you know, on a Sunday. You want to raise selfish kids? Make everything about what you want and about what's best for you. Want to raise drunks? Keep the fridge stocked. Want to raise liars? Lie to them and in front of them. Want to raise rude kids? Feel free to disrespect and disregard others. Want to raise racists? Downplay the seriousness of prejudice. Want to raise porn addicts? Don't filter or monitor, monitor media consumption in any way. Or you want to raise givers? Let them see you make sacrifices. You want to raise grateful kids? Make sure they see and hear you being grateful. Some of us going to have to change the way we act at restaurants on Sunday afternoon if we look at that one, right? If uh, you want to raise church attenders, be regular attenders while they are growing up. If you wait until they're grown up and say, I need to get my kids in church and they're 25 years old, it probably ain't going to happen. You need to show them how important it is wherever you're at right now. If your kids are two years old, you need to show them right now. If your kids are 10 years old and you haven't been doing it, you need to show them now. Wherever You can't start yesterday, but you can start today. The disaster would be to wait and start tomorrow. So we have to start today. Let, let, let me drill down into a couple more of these. Givers, grateful kids, that, that's what we want to raise, right? And we're not raising kids, are we? We're raising adults. Remember that. We're not, I mean, they're kids now, but we're raising adults. I mean, it's, it's crazy how we act in this world. Is like, it's like I, I, I don't know what happened to these adults, you know. They were good as kids. I don't know what happened, you know. And give them a little responsibility, and they can't, can't handle it. We're raising adults. So let's drill down in just a couple of these, okay? Next slide for me, if you'll, Kevin. If you want to raise adults who read the Bible regularly, let me give you three steps right here. Let them see you read it. From an early age. When you're 40 years old, don't go, don't go buy you one of those big black King James grandpa Bibles and sit on your, on your living room coffee table. Let them see you read it now. You might not have done it yesterday. Again, you can't go back. You can't start yesterday, but you can start today. Read to them and with them. <laughs> read to them and with them. I Man, I remember... I remember when mom and dad let us read the Bible with the family devotion, and I remember one night, my, my little, littlest brother, youngest brother, Kenny, I remember, I think we were reading somewhere in the book of Leviticus, and man, we were all trying, trying to stay awake, <laughs> you know, but he was, re he was reading and reading, and we were gleaning the importance of reading the Bible and reading the Bible together. And number three is make Scripture part of your regular conversation, decision-making process. Here, here's, here's maybe even the biggest one that I think a lot of us miss. You know, we can teach them that it's important to read the Bible, but what we need to teach them is that it is important to hide, as the Scripture says, hide His Word in our heart that we will not sin against Him. So that when we're making decisions, wait a minute, that Scripture says so-and-so. 
They need to hear you say it because, you know, here's what's going to happen is if you just teach them to read the Bible, they're going to be second generation Christians because you hand it off. But if you start teaching them why we read the Bible, because it is full of wisdom for us to make decisions, it is full of wisdom of how to straighten out our relationships. If, if we can get them to understand that, then we begin to help them start that process of moving from second generation to first generation Christians. Let's drill down into one more. If you want to raise adults who pray, number one, let them hear you pray. Again, from an early age. You know, how do people pray? People are learn to pray. People learn to pray by listening to people pray. That's how you learn to pray. Let your kids hear you at an early age. Uh, lead them in prayer. When they've got a problem, lead them in prayer. Uh, and when needs arise, their problems, your family problems, or whatever, stop and pray. Teach them that when you get a text that says, would you pray for so-and-so, you don't just tell them, yes, you will, and forget about it later. Teach them, hey, I just got a text. Would you, pray, would you stop and pray with me for this need right here? Teach them that. To stop and pray in that moment and pray publicly. I don't have time. There's too much in this sermon, okay? I wish I had time to tell you everything that happens in your kids' minds when you are asking the blessing in a public place. So many things that you're, you're saying, God is important to me. God brought this, to my li- brought this to our life. We have this because of him. That's why we want to give thanks. We're not ashamed to let people know that we give God honor and glory. I said I didn't have time to preach. I don't have time to say this, but, but here it is. So many things are happening when we do just those few things. If we want, we, we've got to choose, we've got to choose our steps. I, I think it's, uh, I, I'm going to hurt you. Here's my, this, this is from eight years ago. This is from a sermon I preached in the old building, not the Civic Center, but the building before that. And uh, just something kind of maybe wrap all this up. Something I said over eight years ago. My goal as a father should be that my family would be better in everything they are and everything they do because of their time spent with me. Everywhere you walk, you make a footprint. Make sure you're making footprints in the right direction because that's the ones your children are going to follow. They're not going to follow what you want them to do. They're going to follow what you do. It's your responsibility to bring them closer to God. And just incidentally, that includes your spouse too. It's your responsibility. If you're the spiritual head of the house, whether you're father, mother, or the teenager, the oldest person in, in the home is actually a Christian, it's your responsibility to do everything you can to walk in a way that they can find footprints to follow that gets them closer to Jesus Christ. Because the goal, I don't know why this came to my mind, but again, can I say it? The goal is not happiness. You're going to go broke trying to get happy. And everybody around you is going to be miserable if you're trying to be happy. The goal is not happiness. The goal of Christian parenting is to raise Christ followers. Amen. Period. End of story. So make up your mind to do that. Thanks for listening to the Church 2911 Sermons Podcast. If you have a need, we would love to pray with you. You can connect with our prayer team by emailing prayer at church2911.com or by texting 205-476-2911.
You can learn more about our church by visiting us online at church2911.com and by connecting with us on Facebook and Instagram at church2911. We hope this message has encouraged you and reminded you that God loves you and has an amazing dream for your life. As always, we dare you to dream.